Michael. Peter. What do you know about the backlash to corporate pride? All I know is that it will be refreshing to have a pride month that is exhausting, but not because of the gays. You texted earlier this week and said that you wanted to do a bonus episode on the Target backlash and like the institution of corporate pride in general. Yeah. And my initial gut instinct was, I don't know if I trust Peter to, to talk about <laughs> corporate pride. I don't know if I want, I don't know if I need like the straights weighing in. You handle the pride, <laughs> I'll handle the corporate. And then I realized that this is how members of other groups feel like when we cover issues. This is this is how like <laughs> women feel when we talk about like <laughs> the love languages on the show. They're like, oh, I don't know right. about Mike and Peter. <laughs> Thank you for giving me a, a window of empathy this week, Peter. That's when you realized that you were wrong because yeah. we can speak for women. We can. And I can speak for all LGBT people. Exactly. Just summarize this debate for us, Peter. I plan to uh, to just sit quietly and let you talk mm -hmm. and just wait for you to fuck up. Everybody listen up. Yeah, exactly. exactly. A straight man is talking. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell us about the genesis of this episode, Peter. Why, why did you want to cover this? Well, I was bearing witness to some of the backlash against Bud Light. Your truth. You were living your truth. And it sort of struck my brain that it was more transparent than what we've seen in the past. Mm. In the sense that there was almost no veneer of like a reasonable position. Yeah. The entire display was the result of conservatives saying, hey, we hate trans people. Yeah. And then corporations reacting to that with something like sympathy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was unique. It felt like an evolution of the sort of conservative backlash we've seen. Yeah. And I, I thought it was an evolution maybe worth talking about, given that it is taking place in the context of like a wave of anti-trans legislation across yeah. the country, for example. And also the way that this has spilled over into the broader like LGB community, right? Like it started mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. as like explicitly anti-trans and a lot of people were warning about like, they're going to come for same-sex marriage next. They're going to come for like other groups, right? Yep. And the response you got was like, I don't know, you know, there's a, there's a real tricky debate about like uh, youth sports and uh, these surgeries yep. they're doing on kids, blah, blah, blah. And then now this stuff, like they're freaking out about like greeting cards for same-sex couples. And it's just like, oh, OK, they're just freaking out about like the existence of gay people now. Right. Well, I, I also think that an element of this is that part of like the conservative political strategy right now is to just be deeply unpleasant in public spaces yeah. like school board meetings. Right. That's yeah, wild. They turn them into a completely insane spectacle mm -hmm. that no one else wants to be a part of. Yeah. Everyone else leaves and they assume positions of power within school boards. Yeah. This feels like a similar sort of thing. They are making themselves so obnoxious in public that companies are put into a weird position, right? Where it's like, well, I don't want to give in to these people necessarily, but dealing with them is so bad yeah, yeah, that yeah. maybe we should. So why don't you walk us through the Bud Light explosion? I feel like this was kind of the beginning of it this year. And then I'll talk us through Target. Yeah. Before we talk about the incident from April, we need to get to know 
Dylan Mulvaney, Mm -hmm. a 26-year-old trans influencer. She used to be a Broadway performer. She Mm -hmm. was in Book of Mormon for a bit. She is huge on TikTok. Right now, she has something like 10 million followers on TikTok, over a million on Instagram. I had no idea she was that famous. Almost all of her current popularity came within the last year Mm. or so. She came out as a trans woman and posted a tongue-in-cheek clip titled Day One of Being a Girl. Mm -hmm. It gets popular. She expands it into a series that chronicles her transition. A lot of jokes, a lot of serious commentary, and... By the end of 2022, she is obscenely popular, just Mm -hmm. sort of skyrockets to social media fame. Mm -hmm. In October, there is a presidential forum where various prominent figures on social media talk to Joe Biden. And Dylan spoke with him about trans rights for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. This puts her on the right wing radar. Yeah, of course. So right wing pundits and politicians, including Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, respond with like their standard round of right wing vitriol. Some of it is directed at Biden's comments, which were, you know, just accepting that trans people are real, basically, and saying they deserve rights. But then they start digging through Dylan's TikToks and mocking them. There's a video where Dylan talks about having a potentially visible penis as a trans woman. Mm -hmm. Senator Blackburn does a tweet saying left-wing lunatics want to make this absurdity normal. Oh, my God. Marjorie Taylor Greene weighs in. Lots of vile shit is being said. And then, you know, they get distracted by the next shiny object and move on. I love how, like, the right-wing panics are always about, like, some random sophomore at Oberlin said something Mm -hmm. arguably over the top about a sandwich. And this is, like, two sitting congressmen. (laughs) Right. It's, It's not just that. It's, like, the entire fucking media apparatus, right? Oh, yeah. There's just a clear line between, like, the lowest, most vile right wing social media types, and then Tucker Carlson and Ted Cruz and whoever, right? Yeah, it's wild. So as influencers are wont to do, Dylan is also doing like promotional sponsorships with various brands. Mm -hmm. So in March, she posts this on Instagram Reels. Uh, I'll send it to you. Since deleted, but Mm -hmm. I managed to find what I think is not a homophobic YouTube channel that has it. Nice. (laughs) I've never actually seen it. Well, it is harrowing. Brace yourself. Hi. Impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. So I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month. But it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money too. Love ya! Now, I imagine that you need a moment to compose yourself uh, (laughs) after watching this clear symbol of the downfall of Western civilization. God, it's so bleak how these like huge blow-ups come from just the most boring, random shit. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm getting a dumb hashtag sponsored deal. Right. There's no reason right. to notice this kind of thing unless right-wingers just decide to freak out about it. So let's be clear before we move on about what this is, because part of what fueled the right-wing reaction was misinformation around the situation. Yeah, of course. According to Anheuser-Busch, the scope of this partnership was exactly one post. This was not a TV commercial. 
Bud Light was just paying to get Dylan to do some quick promotion on social media. She receives this can with her face on it. That can is not for sale oh, really? anywhere. <laughs> it's like a commemorative thing that they sent her. Yeah, it was a thing that they sent her. They have sent it to other sponsorship partners. They sent it to her for being a partner and because she was celebrating one year officially out as a woman. This is like one level above those people that'll have like soccer mom trip to Disney World 2017, like printed on T-shirts. Yeah, right. And like right. they wear the T-shirts, but like they're not the T-shirts are not being sold anywhere. They screen printed her image on a can and send it to her, basically. <laughs> yeah. These companies just have like I, I think they cast the net very wide for these kind of like influencer sponsorships. There's like everybody like they probably have Christian influencers. They probably did this too. 100%. It's not particularly ideological, these things. It's no, just like no, no. Everybody with more than like 100,000 followers send them some free shit and like give them a thousand bucks. Yeah. Part of the initial Bud Light response was to be like, we do hundreds of these partnerships, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some right winger somewhere, presumably, is scrolling through her Insta and they freak out, right? Yeah. Ben Shapiro says, quote, well, folks, our culture has now decided men are women and women are men and you must be forced to consume products that say so. <laughs> Forced to consume products is a fascinating phrase. That's right. <laughs> Mandatory. $3 will be removed from your paycheck yeah. every week and a beer will be sent to your house. And then you get waterboarded with trans Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> Kid Rock posts a video of him shooting a case of Bud Light with an AR-15. <laughs> of course. Right-wing politicians and celebrities and pundits all get in on yeah. it. Fox News is talking about it. Budweiser factories are receiving bomb threats. Right. They call for a boycott. Boycott commences. Sales drop mm-hmm. for Budweiser and Bud Light in early April. In mid-April, the CEO of Anheuser-Busch puts out a statement titled, Our Responsibility to America. Jesus Christ. It is maybe the worst statement I have ever read. Hell yeah. Uh, (laughs) Not just because it is completely morally and substantively hollow, but because it might as well be designed to just piss everyone off. Yeah, yeah, because if you throw a trans person under the bus, you then get the backlash from progressives. Mm -hmm. So what they're trying to do is thread the needle between we don't want to piss off the right wing psychos, but we also don't want to piss off like the 90 percent of the country that like really has no problem with this. (laughs) Right. It includes the choice line, quote, we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. Oh, my God. We are in the business of bringing people together over a beer. Mm-hmm. The rest of the statement is just like mealy mouth bullshit. At one point, they reference like American values and they talk about like freedom and hard work. Yeah, just throw a bald eagle in there. Right. The bald eagle screech is like playing <laughs> in the background. I mean, the direct parallel is just like, what if an ad had a black person? Yeah, exactly. And then the right wing freaked out. Yeah. And Anheuser-Busch was like... Look, we don't want to be part of a conversation that divides people. We're trying to stay out of all these politics. From now on, it's whites only. This is like what we talked about before we recorded of like how difficult it is to talk about this because it's so just one dimensionally bigoted, like the actual backlash. Like there's no laundered version of this argument Yeah, that is like, well, if you look at it this way, it's actually like they raised some good points. It's literally just like a trans person was visible. (laughs) The only sort of like angle here that they have is that she has done some activism, right? Like the fact that she's talked to Joe Biden is sometimes referenced, but like 
Really? She's just a trans influencer? Yeah, she's just a famous trans person. Now, what's interesting about this boycott is that usually boycotts lose energy very quickly. Yeah. You know, remember like the Kerrig boycott from a few years ago or like the Goya boycott of 2020? Barely, yeah. These things come and go. There is research showing that boycotts just tend not to work. The boycotters lose energy and focus. Often the publicity creates brand awareness that like counteracts any decline in sales. This one appears to be different. Uh, For nearly two months now, Bud Light and Budweiser sales have fallen relative to the previous year's sales. And the decline has mostly increased over time, now hovering around 25% for Bud Light in particular, which is a massive decrease, obviously. Yeah. I don't think we really know why this boycott has been much more effective than the usual boycott. I would imagine that you can chalk it up to a couple of things. First of all, Bud Light is essentially a commodity. It is cheap swill, meaning it's very easily replaced by competitors like Miller and Coors. And in fact, some preliminary sales data seems to show that that's where the sales went, right? For the 25% decrease in Bud Light, there was a corresponding increase across the other two brands. Yeah, they're in the rack next to each other. You're like, fuck it. I've been hearing that Bud Light is woke. I'm just going to pick the other beer. Right, right. It's the easiest boycott in the world to stick with. And then also there was like a very intentional campaign by prominent right-wingers to sustain the outrage with the conscious knowledge that the right is generally outnumbered, Mm -hmm. but they could get what they want in the market by sort of aggressively targeting individual companies. This is something that Matt Walsh has talked about for a while. They don't always admit that they are sort of in the minority, right? Because the whole silent majority concept has been part Mm -hmm. of their psyche for so long. Mm -hmm. But essentially conceding, look, we are not the majority in this country, but we are large enough that if we just coordinate and focus our effort we can bully the marketplace, right? By being the more obnoxious side, by being the more organized side. Yeah, I highlighted that quote too, where he said like, we can't boycott every like woke company, but Mm -hmm. we can highlight one and make a big example out of them. Right. And they've essentially, by zeroing in on this one company, every other consumer brand is looking at this being like, oh fuck, we don't want to be next. Right. Anheuser-Busch, puts two marketing executives responsible for the promotion on leave. Mm -hmm. One of them is Alyssa Heinerscheid, who was hired, uh, I think, in 2022 just to freshen up the brand. Mm -hmm. Right-wingers locate a podcast interview with her from March where she said she was hired with a mandate to evolve the brand and that she wanted to bring an image of inclusivity to what she called a traditionally fratty and (gasps) kind of out-of-touch brand. Oh no, this poor woman. Now, I want to talk about the sort of like business angle here. Bud Light and its peers are a shrinking portion of the alcohol market, right? Mm. For the past like 20 years, we've seen the rise of like craft beer. Last few years, we've seen hard seltzer Mm. take a massive share of the market. So if you're sitting on Bud Light, a brand pivot is a very natural move, mm. right? It, it makes total sense. You need to sort of you need to sort of redirect your energy because you are shrinking. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the plurality of your customers are probably white, male, middle aged. Right. The brand has always been marketed to them. And so this becomes sort of like an affirmation of everything they feared when they saw the Dylan Mulvaney promo. Right. Yeah. Like 
the culture is slipping out of their hands. And these are people that are still very upset by the black elves that they had That's to right. That's through right. on their television screens. <laughs> very difficult for these folks. Heinerscheid receives some weird targeted harassment, of course. Of course. People dig up photos of her from her college days where she's at <sighs> parties. And they're like, oh, so now you don't like frat parties, huh? Jesus Christ. That was on Fox News, dude. Yeah, the anti-fandom. Uh, it's like, yeah, you got her. Yeah, wow. She's now 39, <laughs> by the way. So like we're, <laughs> this is like 20-year-old fucking. <laughs> Huge hypocrisy. She attended frat parties and then made an offhand comment about frattiness 20 years later. I don't even know that we know that they were frat parties, but I would have met like, yeah, of course you went to a frat yeah, parties. Yeah, I went to frat parties. Frats are fucking stupid, but I also went to frat parties in college. Right. Because that's where the parties are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Dylan, for her part, drops off of social media for a bit. No. She comes back in late April with a quick message where she says things like, quote, what I'm struggling to understand is the need to dehumanize and to be cruel. I just don't think that's right. Yeah. Which is very nice and also sort of like borderline naive in a nice way, like a yeah. pure soul. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, uh dehumanizing is the whole point, Dylan. Yeah, it's always so bleak when people just make these like basic statements of humanity of just like, right. oh, please don't try to murder me. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a real debate to be had here. Yeah, it, there's such a purity in the response where it was like, I don't think everyone should be trying to kill me. I don't know that I need to die. And the media is like, <laughs> the controversy swirls. <laughs> now, again, the boycott has sort of continued. In May, Ted Cruz and Marsha Blackburn called for a probe into the sponsorship, claiming that Dylan's audience skews young. So they are like arguing that this might be tantamount to marketing alcohol to children. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, they managed to like work in like a weird grooming angle. Right. And in, in general, like the right wing response at the ground level has just been wild, like just naked transphobia. Yeah. A lot of people commenting about Dylan's like affect saying that she acts young girlish and that's like mocking women. Oh my God. Which A only exists as a critique if you reject the concept that she is a woman. Yeah. But B is misunderstanding what's happening here. Dylan's annoying girlish affect is because she's a theater kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They don't yeah. get it. I mean, look, I have been around theater kids for long enough that I immediately clocked this. Yeah. And then people were like, she's mocking women. I was like, no, you don't no. get it. You don't get it. And you're going to have to watch a lot of productions before you do. There's so much to say about this stuff, about like the hypocrisy of quote unquote free market conservatives losing their minds because like the free market is working as intended. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like companies are trying to appeal to new audiences or the hypocrisy of like the people that melted down about cancel culture for fucking years and are now like very obviously engaging in an effort to cancel a person and a company. But it's like it's just so fucking obvious. It's so obvious to make these points. that It's like it's boring to listen to. Yeah. What we were talking about earlier is sort of my takeaway. The fact that like there is really nothing more to the outrage than the fact that Dylan is trans. Right. There's no nuance beyond that. The right just wants the takeaway to be don't do business with trans people. Yeah. And it's so nakedly built upon unfiltered discrimination that it feels like surreal to witness the media coverage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because the media keeps referring to like a controversy. Yeah. Without really spelling out that the entire controversy is that Bud Light partnered with a trans person. Yeah. And these people hate trans people. Right. Especially true, by the way, because a lot of the coverage comes from financial media, because this is like a business 
story to a degree. Right. So like just to give you the tiniest slice, Yahoo Finance's latest story said, quote, driven by backlash from an advertising campaign with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light sales have now declined for six weeks. Mm. Now, if you are in the business media, that is presumably the full story, right? right? (laughs) There's a New York Times article about one of these meta articles about like what's going on at Target and Bud Light and stuff. And the headline is brands embracing Pride Month confront a volatile political climate. Jesus. It's not a climate. It's almost like if you're a journalist covering this, you have two choices. One is you just like use this neutral terminology or two is like, you really dig in. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think a lot of them are probably just like, oof, I'm not going to deal with this, right? I'm not yeah. going to try to write the article that explains what's happening here because it's too much. Right. And that sort of like willingness to go along with it is a huge problem in a society where fascists are ascendant. Yeah. Again, if this were just the right being like, hey, let's get mad. They did a partnership with a black person. I would think that people within the media would be a little more primed to call it what it is. Maybe that's me being naive, but it feels like the media's response to this and their willingness to describe it in neutral terms is an indicator that they are not ready to defend trans rights, Yeah. period. I think the problem is that the reality, if you describe it in sober terms, sounds partisan. Sounds right. (laughs) Right? If you describe, like, we are now in, like, year three of a wave of essentially terrorist actions and, like, local agitating Mm -hmm. against Mm -hmm. progressive change, right? This, I think it really started with the anti-vaxxers, but we've had people taking over School boards. I mean, we had a fucking anti-queer fucking mass shooting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we had the Buffalo shooting, which was like straightforwardly white supremacist. We've had other mass shootings that were like explicitly white supremacist. We've had all kinds of other like threats against black colleges. We've had these children's gender clinics being shut down sometimes for days on end because the threats are so overwhelming. If you describe this as part of like, oh, yeah, right wing violence and like threats and intimidation are like really ascendant in this country. And this is like a major, like thuddingly obvious trend. It sounds bad, but it's just objectively the reality. (laughs) Like I read an ADL report that pointed out that like every extremist act of murder in 2022 was right-wing terror. And like there's various other reports, like there's one from the New America Foundation that tracks every single incident of terrorist violence since 9-11 and one death is attributed to the far left and 150 deaths are attributed to far right violence. Right. You know, I I mentioned their strategy of being intolerable to be around, right? Mm -hmm. Part of that, though, is that sort of implication that there is a willingness to engage in extreme violence among a decent chunk of these people. Yeah. When they go and start knocking over pride displays at Target, the Target worker doesn't know whether they're dealing with the 99% of them that are just ready to knock over a pride display or the 1% that's ready to pull out a gun and shoot you if you try to stop them. Totally. Should we talk about Target? I I, I did a lot of uh, like social media sleuthing. Let's talk about Target. 